0: You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. I was coming into church this morning, and something just really struck me like it never has before. I saw some gray haired, beautiful grandmas walking into the church. And a little while later, I saw children about this high walking into church with their parents. This isn't in my notes. And I said, Lord, this is awesome. I love church life. I love worshiping together and praying and seeking the Lord and hearing from the Lord and just connecting. I love when God pours out a corporate anointing that's richer than why you're by yourself anointing. That's good, too. But he blesses corporate anointing because he's into it. I'm so thankful and so grateful. I've had kind of a rough life and been through a divorce and a lot of things in my life. But God's given it back to me again because I was just thinking this morning. I have a six-year-old grandson and a three-year-old granddaughter that are in the back right now learning about Jesus, singing our songs. And they were adopted by my lovely son and daughter here. My grandson would have been raised in inner city Detroit. Instead, he gets to come here and be along with God's people. He is not going to know that life at all. I love the church. I love church life. Bring us together. Amen. Now i got to try to bring what God laid on my heart. I've been reminded of when Marge and I got a phone call We lived in Arizona before we came here, and her father had a stroke. And so we all went to the hospital, we all met together with her brothers and family there, and Dad was inside, he was inside the emergency, don't mind me, I'm a little OCD. And Dad was inside the emergency room, and we just waited and waited and waited, and we heard about this thing called, forgive me, if you're in the medical field, forgive me ahead of time if I slaughter some of these phrases. They came out and said he has a stroke. We have good news for you. This is a stroke hospital. I didn't know there was such a thing. We have a shot here called the clot buster, C-L-O-T. It destroys the blood clot that sticks in the brain that causes a stroke. We would like to give that opportunity for you and for your father to take. But it comes with high risk, and you have to sign your life away. They didn't say that. That's what I felt. He was all one sided, was, was gone. I can't remember which side, but it doesn't matter. Eye, face, and everything like this. Sat down, family agreed, he agreed, wife, mother uh, in law agreed to take the shot because you didn't want to live like this. Within minutes, it was like a miracle, he just went like this. And he got just about everything back again. I am so thankful for that. Because I, I, he had to stay in the hospital for a couple of days, so I'd walk around the stroke ward. And I, you know me, I'm kind of nosy and like to talk to people a little bit, and I'm not too shy. And I looked inside and I saw some of the things I've never seen in my life before. People were twisted and contorted and, and broken, and they're probably going to stay like that the rest of their life. It happened in minutes. And when the families came up to visit, you could just see the brokenness in their lives. And I just said, wow, this is really painful to people. And it happened in minutes. And he got to go home after that, and he got some more years before he graduated. And that's when it hit me to start thinking about what I want to talk about today, the process of brokenness, the process of brokenness. Please open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 2. I'm going to be using the NIV. And I would like to read a little background to you about Moses. Pharaoh was a really insecure leader. The Hebrew children were starting to have lots of children and lots of children, and he was so insecure that he thought if they went to war that the, the Israelites would war against him in the war. So he said, go out and kill all the baby boys that are, when they're born, the midwives. And they didn't do it. They let him go. And there was this couple that had a little baby. They just loved him, thought he was a beautiful child, so they put him in the reeds in a river, made a little basket for him. And sure enough, God's timing, who comes along, but Pharaoh's daughter, and Pharaoh's daughter says, I want that baby. The baby's crying. Take, take, take the baby home, and let's, let's, find a, let's find one of the Hebrew women that can nurse him and nurture him. And sure enough, they went and phoned her, and, and it was the mother of the baby. Is God good or what? The first paid daycare. <laughs> she came home and she got, she got paid to take care of her only child. Moses was raised with the highest standard of living in the world. The best food, the best medical, the best education of the time. The best gym, the newest iPhone, and electric charge chariot. Could you see him go down the road with a chariot and no horses? He had the best of the best. I have a feeling that Moses was a little bit arrogant, and he had a little strut with him. I can't do that anymore, but you young guys can. And there was just something about Moses that, you know, he needed. God put him in there, but he needed, he needed something to happen to his life. He needed to eat some humble pie. It would have been good for Moses. So let's go to verse 11. Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Verse 12. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Moses murdered somebody. First of all, he was strong enough to do it. And he wasn't afraid to do it. Maybe he thought he was going to be the savior or something. Maybe some words were said and he, he thought, well, I'm, I'm, going to be, I'm going to do this on my own. Verse 13. The next day when he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting, he asked one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Uh-oh, uh-oh. So far, Moses was going up and going up and getting better and getting better. In verse 15, it says, when Pharaoh, when Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Fear causes people to run or to hide or both. Fear always causes people to run, to hide, or both. Moses started his downward spiral for the first time in his life because he was going up until then. He fled, he went, he sat down. Listen to me, he fled, he went, and he sat down. Moses needed to be brought down before he could be raised up. Moses needed to be brought down before he could be raised up. In a group this size, there might be a few people here that need to be brought down before God can use you again, and a little bit of brokenness might be good for you. Did I just say that? I needed it, and I still need it. I need my balloon popped about every three days so I could get through the door. It's just who we are. But with God, down is up. With God, down is up. In James, it says this. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he'll lift you up. I went and looked that word up in the original language, and it says, bring low the condition of your heart before God, and he'll lift you up. He's the greater, we're the lesser. And we get that reversed all the time. Let's remind ourselves, he's the greater, we're the lesser, we need you. He doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us. Let's fast forward to chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He had led the flock into the far side of the wilderness. Not only is he fleeing down, not that he went, and now that he sat down, no, he's on the back backside of the, of the wilderness and he came to the Horeb the mount he came to Horeb the mountain of God. Brokenness was God's plan for Moses. Just a season. Just a season. Then he was going to get raised up again and be used by him. It has been said that humility has two options. Option number one, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. Option number two Be humbled by the Lord. I highly recommend number one. I've been in the other one. It's no fun. Highly recommend humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. It feels good. Exodus 3, 2. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire and it did not burn up. Thirty And verse 3. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. The Lord has a way of getting our attention. In Arizona, it was not uncommon for a cactus to start on fire from spontaneous combustion. When you have 110 degrees for 90 days in a row and not a drop of water, not a drop of water, and your humidity is below 10%, it's a dry heat, right? Okay, it's happened where a cactus will start on fire by itself. And Moses knew that because he was in the desert, But what got Moses was, he kept looking at that cactus, and it wasn't falling apart and turning into ashes. God will do some things in your life to get your attention. Let him get your attention early on before the road gets rougher and bumpier. The lesson here is Moses moved closer to God. See, God's a good checker player. You make your move, he'll make his Draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. He's just there waiting. He wants more of you, will you give him more? Verse four, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. He obeyed the Lord, took his shoes off. That was a sign of respect and reverence to God. Verse six. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, uh, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Verse seven. The Lord said, I have seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them cry out because of the slave drivers. I'm concerned about their sufferings. There's two things in this verse I want you to think about. God says, I have heard God is hearing you. He said, I am concerned. God has concern for you. But you might not have the answer yet. Okay? There's three green lights to know God's will and to hear from God. The first one is it His will? You can usually figure that out. You can seek God, you can seek counsel, you can ask God. The second green traffic light that you need to go through to find out if it's God's will, is it in his word? Okay, I'm going to dig in his word and I'm going to find it. Now I feel pretty good. I think it's his will. I, I, I know it's his word. And then there's one more green light to knowing, and that's called timing. And that's the hardest one of them all. Because you don't know if the answer is yes or no or not yet. So you just keep seeking the Lord and He will show you all the time. He always does. Moses spent the first 40 years in his life thinking he was really somebody. He spent the next 40 years of his life thinking he was a nobody. Maybe that's where you're at. And God called him at 80 years old. God called him at 80 years old and said, Come on, man, get them bones moving and start working for me. You're not dead. You're not done. Moses spent the rest of his life as one of God's greatest leaders in the Old Testament. The Bible is bursting with stories of people that were broken before God. One of my favorites is Joseph. Joseph's brothers were really jealous of him. He had 11 brothers, 12 kids in a family. Wow. Talk about a grocery bill. His brother, uh, his father made up a special coat. You know the story, they were jealous of him. He had a dream, said, you guys are going to bow down to me. Probably at 17, he probably didn't really say it like he should have said it, maybe. His brothers wanted to kill him. And one of them out of the bunch was smart enough to say, no, let's just, here comes some traitors. Actually, they were, they were trafficking slaves. Let's use today's term. And they sold Joseph into the, this group of people, and they went into Egypt. And Joseph was, God was with Joseph and he ended up in Potiphar's house, and they all saw that he had something about him. He had God's favor in his life, okay? But he's going through some brokenness here. Are you with me? And he's starting to get elevated in Potiphar's house, and um, they said he was a good-looking guy and had it all together. Potiphar was out of town, and his wife wanted to cause um, him to sin. And he said, no, I'm not gonna sin against my God. She kept trying, and he ran away from her, and she, she, she grabbed his coat, and, and Joseph was willing to leave his coat, but he wasn't willing to leave his character. Are you hearing me? He, was, he ran out of there. Because, see, here's the deal. Sin thrills, then it kills. Sin fascinates, then it assassinates. Sin always takes you longer takes you farther than you want to go. It keeps you longer than you want to stay. But Joseph knew he had to get out of that situation. It's okay if you, need, if you run from sin. It's a good thing, but run to God with that, okay? It's very important. Jonah, one of my favorites. God spoke to him and said, I want you to go to Nineveh and, and preach to the people there. Well, Jonah didn't want to go because his relatives were up there and they had been killed by some of the Assyrians who were controlling Nineveh. Jonah knew God's voice because he was a prophet, What is a prophet? I'll give you a real good explanation, simple. A prophet hears from God and speaks for God. Hears from God, speaks for God. Jonah knew the Lord's voice, but he decided to buy a ticket and run the other way from God. Not a good idea. Gets on the ship, trying to go away from God. God sends a storm. It gets so bad that everybody throws all their gear overboard. These guys were sailors. They knew storms. They were even afraid the ship was going to sink. Moses, Jonah finally says, "It's me. Throw me overboard. It's me. I'm running from God." He finally admitted he's running from God. Throw him overboard. Fish takes him up, spits him out. Long story short, he marches through the town, walks through the town for three days, 120,000 people, and they repent and give their life to the Lord. Is that cool? I mean, I, just because he didn't obey God. Here's here's what I'm trying to get. Excuse me, my throat draws out. I'm trying to get a point across. When God calls you and asks you to do something, and you run from God, you fight God, you arm wrestle God, He's going to win anyhow. And you don't do it, He may get somebody else to do it, and you miss out on a blessing. The other thing that happens if God's calling you to do it, and He wants you to do it, and you to one. You need to go do what God's asked you to do instead of waiting and fighting and wrestling with God. And you'll come out of whatever he asked you to do walking this far off the ground saying, why didn't I do it three days ago when he asked me to do it? Next time I'm gonna go. Then there's the woman at the well. Jesus goes up and talks to her. She said, wait a minute. Jews don't even talk to us Samaritans. We're, we're, we're a mixed breed and you don't want nothing to do with us. And Jesus explained to her about the living water, told her about the five husbands she had and the one she's living with. Now, wait a minute. Are you a prophet? Are you the Messiah? She runs back to town in her brokenness, in her brokenness, and tells the whole town about Jesus, and the town comes running out. A sinner woman, five marriages, sixth time not living with somebody. And the whole town comes out and starts to believe in Jesus because of her. He took a broken life and changed it around and brought salvation to that. I want to give you a little thing about brokenness that God kind of showed me, and uh, I'm still trying to learn things as I go along, that we are made uh, like out of clay jars. Doesn't the Bible say we're made out of clay jars and uh, we're very um, vulnerable. We're all a different color, we're all a different shape, and we're all a different size. So we give our life to Jesus, and we get uh, <clears throat> snug as a bug in a Christian rug. Okay, and we're living a nice Christian life. We're going to church, and we're doing any. We're doing. Is there any teenagers here today? Teen, yeah, I love having teenagers at church. Thank you. But what happens as you walk with the Lord, you find out that there's some things that are still happening. It's not a bubble. It's the real world. So you study really hard for this test. I mean, you really cram, and boom, you blow the test. I mean, you just fail miserably. And then you try out for the team. You really want to make the team. You work hard. You get in shape all summer, and you come, and you just don't make the team. Man, does that hurt. It just, it just busts you all apart. And here's the one that really hurts. That girl that you thought you were going to have, that dreamboat, that guy, girl, that you thought was going to be there the rest of your life says, you know what, I just want to be friends. I, I really don't have time for this. Is that a heartbreak? I mean, that just breaks your heart. Okay, and next, you young marrieds, you get married, and you're going through life, and shortly after you're married, you think, you got these failed expectations about marriage, and you're just down. I didn't say you married the wrong person. Don't go home saying that preacher today said you married the wrong person. (laughs) I'm talking about marriage, the scope of marriage. Then the other thing that happens with young marriages is you start to have financial pressure. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Probably the number one discussion in a marriage is money. And then you have job issues. Oh man, that other guy passed me up, or I'm not good enough, I'm gonna find another job. Then you get into midlife, midlife, and the kids are leaving home, and they don't need you anymore. They don't have time for you. That hurts. Oh, I'll just really break it. <laughs> they don't have time for you, but the reason they don't have time for you is because you did your job as a parent, They don't need you anymore like they once needed you. You are actually successful, but it still hurts. One of the other things you go through in in midlife is you start to have some minor health issues. Man, they just break you apart. What is going on with my body? And a lot of times, it also, you can add to that, you get through a divorce. it's the most painful thing, let me tell you. When I went through a divorce, it was like my heart was, my chest was ripped open and my heart was left out there for it to bleed and nobody could stop it. Then you get into being a senior citizen. I, there's no senior citizens here today, is there? Nah, nah, you look way too young. Is that the right thing? Is that the right Okay. Senior citizens, you get into this senior citizen thing, and, and and you start to have major health issues. The doctor calls you up, sees a little something on the, on the MRI or the CT scan, says, I, "I'd like to call you into the office. We saw something. You need to come in right away. And we'd like to we, we want to send you to the oncologist. Cancer? Yeah, you got you got some. And just boom, it just devastates you. The other thing that breaks people as a senior is you lose your spouse." That yeah, is so hard. That is so painful, I'm telling you. You can't even fathom it unless you've gone through it. You've been married 50, 60 years, and you lose a spouse. Number one number one thing in the world today that seniors are dealing with is loneliness. Loneliness is a hard place. Because it never goes away, and it never never ends. So why did I do all of this? Why did I sit up here like a madman and pound a hammer? It felt good. (laughs) But here's what happens. We're followers of Jesus. We're not supposed to go through that stuff, but we do because we live in a fallen world. We're broken people in a broken world. So we get to the Lord, whether you're a teenager and you lost that one you really loved, midlife, you went through stuff, young seniors, and you say, Lord, this is all I have. My life is shattered. I ain't got nothing left but some pieces to give you. What good am I? this I didn't know this happened as a Christian. I'm watching the world go through the same stuff. But they go on drugs, drink, and do crazy things. I don't want to do that. Lord, I don't know what to do. But my eyes are on you. Amen? Our eyes are on him. So I give you my shattered life. The beauty about the Lord is what he does. is he takes us and he puts us back together again. And we might have some cracks and some repair jobs going on in us, but he puts us back together again. Could you you put that thing up on the screen? This artwork is called Kintsugi, K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. Kintsugi. In Japan, they take broken pottery And they fill the cracks with gold and silver. And it's very, very expensive. It's of great value, more so than it was before it was broken. When you become a follower of Jesus and he puts you back together, you are more valuable to him than ever before because you're ready to say, yes, Lord, whatever you have for me, I'm willing to do. This is stronger than this. This has more endurance than this before you were broken. This has more faith because it's been through storms and hard places and it's endured. This has more perseverance than this. That's the beauty of God breaking us and then putting us back together. It's a good thing for us. But there's something even better. Kintsugi might have silver and gold in it, but when God puts us back together, he sends the winds of his Holy Spirit. You can't see that very good, no. In fact, it's really hard to see. But the more of the Holy Spirit that blows in and upon and through our life and into our life, the more you can start to see love, and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and faithfulness and self control. The more you see, because the Holy Spirit is filling us from within, empowering us. And guess what comes through the cracks of this? Broken jar. I was supposed to practice tying a knot. When the Lord continues to fill us with his spirit, well, it's gonna go like that. (laughs) The Holy Spirit comes in our lives and some things start to come out of the cracks of our lives. I was sharing with Dave when he went fishing in Minnesota, I said, I have a, a trick for you, on Monday start eating garlic. If you're going fishing on Friday, on Tuesday, eat some more garlic. On Wednesday, all week long, you eat some garlic, and you go fishing on Friday night, and those mosquitoes are going to have nothing to do with you because they don't like garlic, and it's oozing out of your pores. Follow me now. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life, Jesus oozes out of your life. And when you have cracks in your life and you're not perfect, you see, us seniors, we start, when we were younger, we start talking about all the jobs we had and how much money we made. Now we talk about how many surgeries we've had <laughs> and how many scars we have. But you know what? Jesus oozes out of those scars, that brokenness. You have more compassion. You have more fruits of the Spirit than you've ever had before. It's a wonderful thing, and I don't know how to explain it any better than that. The process of brokenness. Romans 9 says something that I think, oh, I want to give you, sorry, I haven't talked for a while like this. I have three takeaways for you, but before that I want to read 2 Corinthians four seventeen. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving in us, and achieving for us an external glory that far outweighs them all. Verse 18. So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since that is seen, is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I want to give you three takeaways today. Takeaway number one, brokenness develops spiritual maturity. Brokenness develops spiritual maturity. It has a way of growing our faith, kind of like a spiritual fertilizer. It increases our endurance. When you have some brokenness and God puts you back together, something happens, you just get some endurance. It keeps us steady in storms. Number two, brokenness on earth creates an openness in heaven. Brokenness captures the heart of God, you guys. He likes brokenness because he can work with that. He allows that in our lives, so we are sometimes. It makes us uh, want to be obedient, and it gives us a willingness to be led by the Holy Spirit. Brokenness builds inner strength. It puts a strong desire in us to make Jesus look good. I really want to make Jesus look good, don't you? He's worthy of it. Remove me from the picture and make him look good. Brokenness helps Jesus ooze out of our lives. My hope and prayer is that you'll benefit from your season of brokenness. It positions us to receive and to hear from Jesus. Jesus. It really does. I want to do something different today. I was going to ask you to stand up, if you would, please. Could you all stand up? I'm going to switch gears for a minute. Uh, Lord put on my heart this morning, and as I was preparing for it, that if there's one person here that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, it's worth it to pray and ask them to take on Jesus into their life. Amen? Could you, could you close your eyes and bow your head with me? If you're that one that's just fighting you right to the fence and you want to jump in, but you haven't yet, it's time. Today's the day of salvation. Don't leave here without Jesus. If If you've fallen away from the Lord and walked away, it's time to come on back. His arms are open. Our arms are open. He loves you. Don't. I fought and wrestled God for so long. When I gave in, it was so good. Bow our heads. Close our eyes. I'm going to ask everybody to say this. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. Thank you for forgiving me for my sins. Jesus, I invite you into my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you did that for the first time or any time, would you tell somebody? The Bible says, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. Tell somebody you trust. It's very important. We're not going to bring you up here and have you do that. But I would like to ask the prayer team to come up at this time. And we're going to have prayer before we go. But I I want it to come up early because there's something I want to say here. God has put prayer people in this church and they know how to pray. When we ask for prayer, these, these, when I need prayer, these are the ones I go to. They will pray. They will seek God. They will get a breakthrough. Please get prayed for before you leave church. Brokenness positions us to be used by Jesus. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. And may the Lord shine his face upon you. Thank you for coming. I dismiss you. You're awesome. Please come for prayer. Amen. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.